You are listening to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers, changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars. Move better, eat better, think better, give better, and live better. We move for freedom, to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community. And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story, their mission, and the pursuit of having the best day ever every single day. All right, we are back with our next piece on marathon. marathon. So we're putting a series together here. Um, Jason and I are running our first marathon, um, and we're back in today talking about the mental side. So uh, we've, this is our first one, and um, we really won't know <laughs> until we come back um, maybe two weeks after the marathon when we're alive again. Um, to talk about if actually if any of this shit works. So uh, we, we've pulled from a lot of different people. We've done a lot of performance coaching, um, which we're going to talk about. So um, we per- performance coached last year for people running the marathon. We led a bunch of cool meditations. Um, I do some performance coaching for an Olympic-style athlete runner. Um, so we've definitely had the coaching piece of it. Um, but one thing we've, we've talked about this is we wanted to run the race so that we can, you know, we've talked to the talk, let's walk the walk yeah. or let's run the run. So, um, let's just talk about through your journey, um, how the mental side of racing, whether that has been in your long runs, maybe a couple of the races that we've done or you've done, um, how that's played a part in, um, the training thus far. And then let's step back into talking about JDI last year and some of the coaching tactics that we've used. Yeah. The, the mental side of it, I think because the, the horizon is so long for marathon training, your focus and your discipline is the, your number one asset. You might, the, the novelty at the beginning of training is so great because over the first month you feel yourself getting faster you feel your endurance going up. You feel confident. You feel strong. None of the struggle has hit yet. I love that, the novelty. It's so true. Your hype is held it's the whole so time. It's so true. You're just so excited. You know, you've got all your music to listen to. You have all your podcasts un- <laughs> unlistened to. You have all your books on tape ready to go. You're excited about it. You got all your new running clothes. You got your new shoes. And you start going out. And then the slog hits where you've been doing this week over week, month over month run over run and it hits the big mental side for me because we basically started training when it was cold i did the majority of my runs outdoors in chicago all winter last winter was the coldest winter we've had in a long time it was at one point negative 50 outside and i trained was doing my one mile a day especially at the beginning of the year um, to prompt people into running that you could spend five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen 15 minutes a day, just running one mile. So I kept up with that all the way, January, February, March, and included on the day where it was negative 50 with the wind chill. I put on four jackets, five pairs of pants, two pairs of gloves, two pairs of it was shoes. Like, Don't go outside for more than 30 seconds, seconds or you will die. Yeah, and I ran a seven minute mile. I have it on my Strava and, um, I did it 
to for the mental piece. It was just like, this is gonna be a discipline thing. I'm gonna decide to do this. I know that my leg doesn't feel great. You know, in hindsight, I probably should have taken some of those runs out. But I think for me, that was like a huge boost. You know, you feel like you're training when other people are not. And you have to find these little mind games and these little tricks to get over the monotony of simply running a long distance. Um, and often. And that that is the biggest silent killer for most people's motivation, focus, and discipline is you got to come back to it week over week, mm-hmm. every week. I don't care if you're going to tra- start training 12 weeks in advance, 16 weeks in advance, you're training for the next Olympics after the last one just finished and you have a four-year time gap, um, which is why I appreciate Olympians so much, I think, because they're improving one second, two seconds over a four-year period is so absurd. Mm-hmm. Um that the utility of getting better takes so much work without any margin for error is such a crazy commitment. And that's exactly what marathon is. It's a mental commitment to doing it day over day, week over week. And so you have to find these strategies to recommit, re-motivate, re-discipline, reframe um, all of the goals and training tactics you're using. I think like meditation's really helped. Um, a big part of the running for me, I'm a social runner for sure, running alone. Um, was a huge mistake for most of that time. I should have been running in a group or with other people because it's just so much more motivational. Like during the winter, uh, I wanted to run outside because I was relearning how to run. If I was doing that over again, I would have just done so much more at Barry's on a treadmill, on a nice woodway treadmill around other people who are excited about running with loud, fun music in a group. Um, If you don't have something like that, seek out other people to run with because when you falter you then feel like you owe something to the group and you're not going to slow down you're not going to hold people back you kind of get the like Kodak courage you feel like other people are you know looking at you filming you whatever it might be to get you going and any type of mind game over the long term I think is really helpful like things like that for me were running social so running with other people um making sure to carve out time when you feel like you're going to do your best running. I now know that my best running is done early in the morning, even though I hate doing every other type of physical activity that early. I don't like it. Um, But I'm the best runner specifically early. I did a ton of runs late. Um, It was dumb. It affected the way I recovered after. I was tired from a long day of work. I didn't run well. I didn't feel good running. I had a whole day's worth of food sitting in my stomach. Um, at various states of digestion and it just like it nothing adds up to you having a successful run Um, that just competed with our work so I just prioritized work over the runs and decided to do them later and I did them but they didn't feel as good as they could have so I think getting better at prioritizing schedule and understanding when you run well run then that for me is the morning so running with friends with other people running early in the morning where I can really control the nutrition that's going towards that run and not having to rely on where I was that day or what I've eaten. Um, and the other mental piece of it is finding different ways to motivate yourselves for different, motivate yourself for different tasks. Um, for short runs, I love motivational music because you can allow a faster, bigger beat to drive your heart rate higher. But you don't want to throw on bangers for an entire marathon. Your heart rate will elevate, your steps will quicken, your 
confidence and mood will follow the rate of music and it can adjust your effort level in a way that does not serve you. It doesn't happen for all people. It happens for me, for sure. So I actually raced the half marathon I did in July just listening to a book on tape. It was like this English guy that was just lulling me into this nice, easy heart rate, and I just hammered a pace just listening to this like kind of single tone, wasn't too excited, wasn't too down. There were no gaps like there are in a podcast. I think conversations get really interesting. Like if I raise my voice, you're suddenly going to be interested in what I'm saying as opposed to being like, okay, now we're transitioning to like this and then there's gaps in it or some advertisement plays halfway through and you're like, what the hell? I'm trying to like, what if that's your last 100 meters? And that's what comes on. You think that, like, you don't time that very well. It's not like our Barry's class where the sprints match the beat drop. Like, it doesn't get that. You can game it a little bit, but then you're, you know, messing around with your iPod or your iWatch while you're running and Apple Watch while you're running. And it's just like, ah, not, it's just not, it's not ideal. So I think understanding some of those tactics on the way that you influence your motivation, you influence your focus, and you can find a social support or social group for doing it like that those were huge ways that I did it what about you yeah I think what's interesting I think in what you said is you have to know yourself I've done all my long runs solo and I loved it um getting in my own head listening to my music being at my pace getting drinks of water when I want them for the long runs that's been my jam for the short speed runs I need berries or the NRC app, or you guys at my heels running. Um, so it's interesting, I think, and it's just who you are. Like, what, what way do you need it? The community is important. So for me, maybe I don't need them on the long runs, the people, but I know that you're running. I know that you're going to run 20 miles. I know that our other friends that are running these races are doing it. And when I see them post it, or when I post it on my Instagram, um, and I get feedback from other people that are running those races, I'm like, okay. This is why we're, this is this is it. So the social support is extremely important for me. Um, stealing a little bit from David Goggins, who made a really interesting post about how you cannot prepare for a race unless you race. I don't give a shit how much meditation you've done, um, how many cold plunges you've hit, how many heavy lifts you've done the day before a run, um, or how tough you think you are, how hard you're running, how hard you're working out, doesn't matter until you toe the line. When you toe the line and your watch stops working or you have to pee right when you get to the race line or your shoe is untied or you woke up that morning and just didn't feel good, what are you going to do that day? You're going to run the race. We had a track workout a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month or so ago where we did track every single week and we get to the track, it's really nice out, all of a sudden the wind starts to swirl. The clouds start to roll in, and it fucking <laughs> poured. Downpoured. We said, everybody told the line, we're going to run. You're not going to run your fastest. It was a, like, like the craziest random storm of all time. It was grapefruit size yeah, raindrops. Yeah, and we all ran. Everybody kicked it because what if you show up on the marathon, you're at mile 20, and you, it starts raining, or it starts snowing, or <laughs> Yeah, it could snow. It could snow. You have to race. So for me, um... It was just understanding myself, you know, same thing with you. I felt really good running in the morning, so that's why I was running early. I teach on Sunday, so my long runs are on Saturdays. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me was racing. So I, I raced um, the Big Ten 10K 
We did the mile time trial. Uh, we did another Nike pop-up race, um, which was like supposed to be a 5K, but it was a little bit less, and Hood to Coast. So I had four races under my belt. I hadn't raced a race in three years prior to that. So just getting the jitters out. Like, yeah, what are you going to wear? What are you going to drink thing, yeah. before? What are you going to do before? Um, ran my fastest mile ever, 445. Um, crushed Hood to Coast, six-minute miles. Um, did that like three mile ish race sub six um big 10 10k was sub six so ran really well at those races and so happy that you know on that big 10 10 10k day if i was to program my run i probably should have ran 12 miles 13 miles but but it's six and a half and that was all i did because it was a race yeah hood to coast is another thing my leg was a little bit more on the difficult side but on the less mile side um and i wasn't going to be like all right well i only did 14 miles so i'm gonna go run another five like no i was just it was a race yeah um that race itself i think was was something that i will never regret and i want to do every single year because it is a mental saga fighting against sleep when do i eat when do i go to the bathroom i just ran this i have to run this my friend is running this we're cheering this guy on that this fan's got to pick us up here like talk about a constant mental overload and then oh Go run six miles uphill. Yeah, I like that. That's it was it was a good it was good and it was something that I think I look back on and um, I'm really happy that the racing for me was really important because now it's it's just you know you got one left. The mental side of race day is the can't prep the for X it. factor. You just can't. You have to do it. The it's only the way to prep for it is to do it. Is often. to do it, and yeah. you have to simulate race environments you have to practice for them as best you can and this this includes anything you ever do that's like this again like you want to tie this into something that's not running related you're not going to figure out how you're going to give a speech to a thousand people by talking to yourself in the mirror <laughs> yeah you should you're going to get better at it. you're going to get better at it by doing that but you also have to come in and put some stakes behind it film yourself even just having the camera sitting yes. there, it, it feels uh-huh. like there are eyeballs on you. Yep. And I think when you're in the presence of other people, you're just automatically a little more nervous. There is some actual real nervousness and there's some real excitedness and those overlap a little bit. Same kind of butterfly in your stomach effect. Um, but what was interesting is that the Big Ten 10K came before Hood to Coast for me and I was injured and still honestly don't feel great, but... I was knowing that I had to run hood to coast and that I had limited mileage left to give. I consciously decided to back yeah. off the big 10, 10, which is impressive. So I did the big 10, 10 K at rate at marathon race pace is nowhere near six fifty two is nowhere near probably a, almost a minute slower at least than my true 10 K time. And doing that number one was an ego check, but it also just, that on the other side, like as proud as I am for like just doing it kind of, I, I gave no thought to it. I woke up, I picked out the clothes I was wearing that morning. I didn't take any nutrition. I didn't really wake up that early. I didn't eat well. I didn't drink any water. And like the race outside of my leg also just didn't feel good. I was kind of hanging at the back of the corral because I signed up for a for the race at my projected race time, but then was running almost a minute slower. Mm-hmm. So it's the same corral, but like within that within that corral, there's a very large time gap on who's finishing first in that corral and who's finishing last. It's like minutes a mile. 
So I, I lined up at the back and I, and I ended up, you know, doing, I think a little bit better than I was expecting to with how I felt. And like, there was a testament to, yeah, I was proud that I got up and did it. It was so stupid not to prep for it like a real race, but I had already given up kind of mentally before. And that made me not feel good when I started it. The actually, the only reason why I felt okay finishing it is because I passed like a thousand people, <laughs> yeah. which getting that many road kills in a race is incredibly fun. But if you're passing that many people, you're not PRing because you're expending energy literally running in figure eights around And you just started too far back. And you started way too far back. But it it was funny because I had so many up and downs around that race. But the number one takeaway that that I took away from that was not any confidence about doing it, not any like proud moment for like walking up and racing, even though I – and – knowing that I had to take the ego check, knowing that Dukos was coming, I actually took away like a little bit of regret for not like prepping for it like a real race. It was almost like a wasted opportunity not to get to another race day. Like I walked in, I wasn't doing any of my prep. I like wore, wore a little like kind of a hoodie, kind of like you're wearing right now, like a little thin one that I just tossed right before the race. I had my hood up. I wasn't listening to any music. I, I didn't, I just wasn't excited yeah. because I just kind of stopped caring. And I didn't feel great while I was running. And that was because I didn't wake up, I didn't get the nutrition, I didn't go through my routine, I didn't prime, and I didn't feel good. Um, And that is a huge thing on race day to make sure that like mentally you are checking your boxes. And it's also the boxes that that you need to check that you don't even expect to be there. That's why you go through these things. Like, oh, you come up and you like, you didn't wear your lucky sock. Like your lucky sock has now has a hole in it you have to wear a different pair of socks. Like that will cause some people to lose time off their race. As like as trivial as that sounds, that mental space that that took up and now it has to take up over a three hour race in a marathon is crazy. Because then one other thing you start to like feel And then like they add up. There's something else. Your like, headphones oh, run out of battery. Yeah. Like yeah. your your watch didn't you didn't start so on time. So now you're not 10, quite 10, sure. You're like, oh started shit. twenty seconds late. I'm like, where am I? Like crazy. And it just like the mind F that 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 comes along with not preparing really well, I think is so interesting and that applies to way more than just running. Mm-hmm. It's just that you understand that you can't do that for everything that you're doing. Um, but you need to prep as well as you can, and then you need to take the mindset that, like, just no excuses. Like, that's, I think, where Goggins' mindset really comes into play is, yeah, he takes this, like, I don't care, get it done under, any, under like, no excuse approach, and that's only valid once you've already taken the steps to check the box. It's, like, it's valid if you can't get yourself off the couch first Mm -hmm. to take the first step but then once you actually are training it's a stupid approach like he will be the first to to admit like oh yeah i ran way too hard i got injured like that was dumb but he's gonna say like but that's what got me through it because yeah once you get to the line then you're capable mentally of blocking out all this hardship and variability and Mm -hmm. things that throw people off track that don't have that So you almost, you need it to get started. Then you need to wipe that away, go through your routines and all that. And then when the the line comes, then it goes back to like no excuses, get it done. Like the slate is wiped blank. I don't care if you're running, have to run barefoot if your shoe gets taken off by a freaking errant child sitting on the side. Like (laughs) you just, you need to do it. Yeah. But up to that point, all of your training should be done like very methodically, including the mindset stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple ups and downs um, from the training. So for me, 
my my biggest ups and biggest downs um, and how I've gotten through them mentally um, are as follows. So biggest ups for me um, have been um, probably my last two runs, so my two longest runs I've done, um, just feeling really good. Um, staking to a good pace, staying where I needed to be, not running them too fast. Um, and I think finishing those, like I walked, you know, I, I you finish, like you look at your watch, like I'm done. And I, I just like went into like uh, JJ Thomas style, just like freaking gratitude rampage. Um, real quick, I just like literally did it. I was like, this is awesome. Like I just ran 20 fucking miles. I haven't done that in my life. Yeah, you've never done it. Never done it. Um, and I did it well. And I was like, I could have done that faster. I feel good. Um, and I just remember being like, wow, this is like, this is great. And um, I tied it back to like our, you know, everything that we talk about. I'm like, well, I've, you know, pr- prioritized a lot of my self-care. Um, and in the meantime, like all of this prioritization, like other really awesome things have been happening um, where I've been able to like give back more and do all that. I'm like, this is, there's a reason like this works, like prioritizing your self-care then you can like give more back to others and like just seeing things throughout this journey where my dedication to this has has helped me in other avenues of my life. I'm like, there's a correlation here. There's a reason shit's starting to move. There's a yeah. reason things are starting to happen. And maybe it's not like one-to-one marathon training to like business, um, <laughs> to uh, home life uh, and things like that. But like I've noticed that like on this journey, sticking to this, has helped me in those other avenues. So that was like one of the things that like when I hit my 20 miler, like boom, a lot of that shit went in my head. I was like, this is awesome. Like shit is being working. Going back through that, um, a lot of my downs is like things that we've talked about. um, It's just like been these like nagging, annoying little injury type things. And so like I would run a run and be like, well, I like, could I have gone faster if, if my hamstring didn't, wasn't sore or things like that. And so I was like looking back at that being like, well, I can either dwell in this or I can get a solution. And it's really hard. Like one of my biggest faults is seeing like weakness and not being able to solve it myself. So for the example for this was like going in and getting physical therapy on my hamstring. I was like, I know how to do this. Like I help people with injuries all the time training them. Like I know the best moves. I know all this stuff. But I was like, the only way I'm going to carve the time out of my day is like call a physical therapist, go into the appointment, do the shit. And I know that like them helping me getting the energy right is going to be really important. And it took me way longer to literally just be like, hey, can I come in on Thursday at four? Yes, done. Like that, that for me is so hard to like pick up the phone and ask for help. And so those are like my lows. But now that like I've gotten through that, I'm like the mental side of like getting over a low and recognizing your highs, I think kind of evens you out so that like you can approach game day like ready. Whatever is gonna whatever is gonna cause you to play mind games with yourself, you should outsource. I mean, except for the fundamentals, like you have to run the race, so you obviously have to be able to run. So that's number one. You have to go out for runs. <laughs> yeah. The second thing is you have to learn how to do the day to day recovery, the small things that f- get you prepped to run and cool you down from running. Uh, unless you're a pro athlete and have somebody that is warming you up and is doing manual work on you on a day to day basis as a result of your job you're going to be responsible for some of that. So an example that, like, maybe this is just, like, throwing words in your mouth, but you sought out a coach to create the plan for you. 
Because if you would have created your own plan, maybe you would have just expended so Insane much amount. mental Insane energy, amount. thought, well, maybe I should have done this. And then, like, whereas I, like, no, I just was like, I'm writing something now. I'm just going to go do it. Yeah. That's that's what the – that's where I was going with that. Yeah. It was like the – but other than that, everything else can be outsourced. Like, the big recovery tools, things you know you need to get right – that you need to get out of your own head for, especially that you have knowledge on, I think, which is really interesting. It's like, it's why every good player has a coach. Why does Tiger Woods have a swing coach? Like Jack Nick, everybody good has a swing coach. Um, That's why professional teams have coaches. Have coaches. Otherwise, like, I mean, you know, LeBron is probably the closest it gets to like really coaching himself and kind of coaching the team. You look at him on the off season. He's got coaches for everything. He's got coaches for everything. You got trainers for everything. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why at that elite level, the strong men of the world, the like the Thors, the big dudes, why do they have coaches? It's to outsource the mental agony of mm-hmm. of the little tweaks and regrets mm-hmm. and just not knowing and being in your own head. That's what I had to get out because like I, I like toiling around in the details of things. And I think that is what makes me a good coach is understanding and caring about some of those details and like learning how those puzzle pieces fit together and communicating that in an easy way to understand. I'll never be the smartest. I'll never be the most experienced, but I am great at pattern recognition and distilling information down in a way that I can combine the best information about running mechanics, CBD, this recovery, this mindset, the way to do this yoga, how you sleep, how you recover, and wrap that all up into one package for you. Like, that's my offering. But to do that all for myself takes the most incredible amount of energy, and I'm not my own client. I need to outsource that to somebody else mm-hmm. um, because I know how much energy it takes, and I just don't want to do it. It's do it worth, all day long. It's worth my time to coach somebody else, get paid for it, and then pay for a coach yeah. to help me do it for myself that also gives you some things that are very necessary to have be objective like you you look terrible running right now you don't can't tell that for yourself you can't see what you look like you running you feel good and look like shit and, exactly and you can feel horrible and and look, and look, look like good. you're running really well yeah. and you need a coach to yeah. balance that idea you have to say i'm thinking about doing this because i think it feels good but you might have some experience that i don't can you tell me how that might fit in with this and like mike for me was just the best fit on okay i, I want a coach that understands like the way i want to look aesthetically just for pure vanity reasons at the same time understands like lifting and running doing that and well does it. somebody <laughs> i trust and he does it yeah. it's like i want all these things i want to be able to run with you i want yeah. to be able to ch- workshop with you and like you know I, I want a little the locker room banter like i want all of that so that was the best fit for me and if i can just look at a plan i see oh, this is what i'm doing today great done i don't have to think about that and add that as another necessary step and that was big for me to outsource some of that sort of like mental difficulty of the planning process i wanted to outsource that and then i take care of all the things that i know i'm uniquely good at like the pure strength training for the way that my body works and running because i'm in contact with my pt my surgeon my manual therapy person the you know any anybody and everybody in between the people that i talked to about nutrition like i have probably 30 different people that i rely on for things to make me perform well um and i can wrap up some of that information then relay that back to somebody who's doing the overall programming that's really what you want to offload is some of that little nagging feeling in your head and you know to distill that down to something micro 
that's what strategies like goal setting, journaling, meditation do is they offload that craziness, the little like monkey mind going on up top and it puts it down on paper for you to see how crazy your thoughts are and then you can cross things off, organize and prioritize them however you will, then get a coach or somebody to review those things and say, oh yeah, I agree, I think you're insane or oh yeah, this is where you want to prioritize and I think you're on the right track with this. So, I mean, that was just like a huge thing for me that I knew that I could outsource that debt it's been helping me this entire time. Like I had to get outside of my own body. Like pain was not really helping me because of my leg surgery. So that was like a mandatory step for me. Yeah, I think just just kind of circling back on everything, it's comes down to assessment. So assessing yourself, um, testing things out, going for group runs, going for runs on your own, um, speaking in front of a group, speaking in front of a mirror, see which things work best for you. Um, and then seeking guidance where you know you have weakness is hard as shit. But once you do it, just like the release of that pressure, the release of that stress makes everything you're actually doing that much better. Totally. And I think that at the end of the day, that that's what it comes down to. And the mental side of things is actually doing things. So you have to give a speech. In front of 100 people, call up 30 of your friends. Say, hey, can you guys sit down for 30 minutes and listen to me give this talk? Um, preparing as much as you can for the actual thing you are going to accomplish. So if it's running a race, running. If it's doing a speech, making sure you're a knowledge expert on what you're going to give. Yeah. Um, so that if you falter in the race, if you run too fast out the gate, you understand how to do it. If you start going off of your script, you know how to bring it back in. All of those things are super important. And then at the end of the the day, just assessing where you are, where you want to go, and finding the people. I think, I mean, life is just so community-driven. Finding the people that will keep leveling you up. So if you're going out for a run, and every time you talk to somebody, they say, oh, you're crazy. Like, you're nuts. It's going to weigh on you. But if you go out for a run, and and they go, oh, how was mile 18? It was yeah. good. I felt like this. Okay, well, like, maybe you should try this. How much different do you feel than you ran 18 miles? That's fucking insane. You can't do that. Yeah. It's a... It's debilitating. It is, yeah. So I don't care how tough you are, what mental savvy you have, how much meditation you're doing. Those are great things. The community is really important as well. Uh, the other tools are just making sure that you're in, your, in the right headspace as well. So doing things like mindfulness, goal setting, taking time to sit in your head. Um, for me, one other thing I've done is done runs without music. So just like talking to yourself while you run. Yeah, because if your headphones cut out, your phone yeah. cuts yeah. out. Yeah, you, not you even have to do for like, the prep, but also just to do it. Yeah, like talk try to it. yourself. Yeah, try. Feel it. how you feel. Like you, you might like yes, that might happen where it cuts out, but also like just see how you feel when you run without without your fucking EDM I mean, blasting in your head. It's not is not yeah. like Noah Vici's going on. Exactly. So I think at the end of the day, it's just like distilling those things down into bite-sized chunks. And then executing on that with the right people. Um, and I think it's been awesome for us because the marathon has been a journey that's helped us see that in ourselves. And it's something that translates to so many different things. Great. So that's uh, another part of the marathon series. And we hope you guys are enjoying this. So if you have any feedback on your racing, your running, you're doing, or anything else you're prepping for, specifically around the mental side, hit up the Live Better Squad. Run it. Peace. What?